The Bible says when Jesus rose from the dead, he went to heaven. Before he went, though, he went to the tomb where he was. Mary went there, couldn't find him, started crying. And the angel said, why are you seeking the living amongst the dead? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Mary was about to hug him and Jesus said, hold on. I have to go to my father and your father. But tell my brethren. So he went to heaven, poured his blood before the throne, came back to see his brethren. And the Bible says after a few days, fellowshipping with them, interacting with them, giving them instructions, he rose back to sit on the right hand of majesty. The Bible says there he's living to make intercession for you, for me. So I can't say enough how glad I am that Jesus is alive and he's well. To the United States government, you're a number. You're a social security number. <laughs> to God, you're a name. You're a person. You're a personality. You're a person that he loves. The Bible says, can a mother forget her child? The Bible says, maybe she can. It said, but God cannot forget you. He said, in fact, your names and your issues are written on a wall before him. You matter. He cares for you. You're not just a number. You are his child. Do you know that in heaven, the angels... They dare not sit in his presence. They're furiously singing, holy, holy, shouting, screaming. But we, his children, we come and we sit. We have fellowship. We talk. We talk with him. It's like, Father, there's something going on. He says, okay, come in, my daughter. What, what do you need? It's never, what's wrong with you? Why are you here? It's always, come on in. What do you need? Aren't you glad he's alive? Yes. <laughs> if you go to Muhammad's tomb, guess what? He ain't there. Go to Buddha's tomb, guess what? But when you get to Jesus' tomb, it's empty. <laughs> He's not just alive, he's praying for you. Think about it. You touch his heart. I touch his heart. So I'm going to continue today from where Pastor left off last week. He declared this season our season of praise. He started teaching from what he called, I'm not done yet. So I'm not done yet. We're just revving up. Just getting ready to start. <laughs> I don't care how young you are, how old you are. If God hasn't called you home, you're not done yet. And so if you're not done, there's a lot, a lot that can still happen. Pastor.
Pastor, I'm going to do a quick recap. He said, your praise is a function of your will. He says, when you are strong in faith, you give praise. And so there's a, there's a verse that he, he um, read that just stuck with me all week. In Romans 4 verse 20, he says, no unbelief. He was talking about Abraham, and we're going to talk a little bit about him today. No unbelief or distrust made Abraham waver. That's the amplified version, Romans 4.20. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. Doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But Abraham grew strong and was empowered by faith. As he did what? As he gave praise and glory to God. So pastor kind of sat around that praise. He sat around it talked about it, we danced about it, we shouted about it. This morning, I'm going to be talking about the reason for my praise. So I've noticed that in church, depending on how exciting the message is, we dance, we shout, we scream. And you haven't visited the Akron Church yet as a preacher. You've been there as someone who went to visit with them. But if you go to the Akron Church, the Alik Akron Church as a preacher, you don't want to leave that church. I am telling you, they draw out every ounce of anointing. There may be just five of them in service that day. They're not that few, but I'm just saying. That's why every time pastor comes here, it looks like you're insane. Because it's already <laughs> pumped up from the Akron Church. They really are like that. They're always screaming and shouting and receiving. And I know most of them personally, so their lives actually reflect that. It's not just a church thing. That's why Pastor was kind of trying to stir us up last week. But I want us to go beyond just the shouting and the screaming. And I want us to get to the nitty-gritty of why we have praise, why we praise. So the title of today's message is The Reason for my praise so that you don't just praise in church you keep on praising till you get what you were praising him for amen, amen. so let's bow our head let's pray for a minute heavenly father in the name of jesus we thank you because jesus is alive in fact he's sitting right there on your right hand waiting oh god for his enemies to be made his footstool making intercession for us he's got this eternal ministry of interceding for his saints. So we know that the Holy Spirit is here representing the Godhead. Speak to us, Father. Open our hearts to receive and absorb the word. Cause our ears to open up. But the young person and the older person, Father, feed us today in the name of Jesus. We will not leave this place the same. I receive a loosening of my tongue and an overflowing of the word of God in my heart that I may preach it and speak it as God will have it done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The reason for my praise. The reason for my praise. Let's open our Bibles to Luke verse 17, verse 20. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. The reason for my praise. This scripture might look totally unrelated, but just hold on. I'm just revving up, just about to start. Amen. 
Luke 17, 20. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That is, the kingdom of God, in the Greek means, you, you, is not what you see by, in fact, Strong's dictionary says, ocular evidence. That is not, I look at it and I see it. Many of us are waiting for the kingdom of God to, to come. Eventually, Jesus will come with his angels. There are two parts to the kingdom of God. You have the spiritual kingdom. The Bible says it's within you right now. Right now. Then there is the coming of the Lord on his horse with the trumpets blaring and the angels coming and come and set up a rule, a thousand year rule here. And we, his people, will reign with him. But the one he's talking about here is the kingdom of God that is resident within the heart of every believer. Now, why am I referencing the kingdom of God? I'm referencing the kingdom of God because within that kingdom is everything you need. I'm going to tie it together very soon. But it's very important that you know that. That a child of God does not necessarily have to go with the, you know, the ebbs and the flow and the, everything going on around you. You carry within you the kingdom. What is a kingdom? If you come from Africa where, or England, where you actually have a kingdom, even though the United Kingdom has a government, the queen is still the queen. And it is a kingdom. And there was a time when the United Kingdom had so, the, the kingdom was so big. In India, in Africa, for example, the uh, Nigeria, where we come from, actually was a subject, or our nation was ruled by the Queen of England. And in the late 1800s, early 1800s, the United Kingdom or the British Empire was the largest empire on earth at that time. Everybody was a subject, not everybody, but those in that empire, they served the Queen. And if you've lived in the United Kingdom for any amount of time, everyone who is a citizen of England is called the subject of Her Majesty, Her Majesty's subject, Her Majesty's subject. And anything happening to you in the world, wherever you are, the United Kingdom has the responsibility to make sure that Her Majesty's subjects are safe. So if there's a riot, if there's something going on somewhere, they can fly in and pick up Her Majesty's subject. You don't necessarily have to see the fullness of the pump that comes with the rule of Queen Elizabeth II. But, and I knew this because our pastor actually was born British. So every time when we lived in the United Kingdom, he had this chip on his shoulder. Um, I was not a citizen. He was born one. He's like, I am Her Majesty's subject or whatever. I'm Her Majesty's subject. <laughs> but they carry with pride. His twin sister in England, pride, Her Majesty's subject. Well, 
are the subject of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And within you is that kingdom, even though eyes cannot see. Now, unlike the Queen of England, who has subjects, we may be just, we may be the subject of the king of heaven and the king of the universe, but we are also made kings. And that kingdom that we say when it says the kingdom of God is within you, it actually means in the Greek um, a royal power, a kingship, a dominion, a rule. It means the right and the authority to rule. It's the royal power and dignity conferred on Christians. So it's not just that our father is a king. He also made us kings. In Revelation 5.10 it says, and he has made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall do what? Revelation 5. We shall reign. Now to look at the average Christian you would not know that about them because many Christians walk this earth with their heads bowed. Their bosses mistreat them or they mistreat people. They're not happy, they're sad. They're envious of the world. We have no reason to be. We're heirs of an incredible fortune. Our father owns all that exists. So when the Pharisees ask Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? He said, wait a minute. The kingdom of God does not come by observation. The kingdom of God is within you. The ability to rule and dictate is within you. Now, we all have jurisdictions. You can't rule in my home and I can't rule in your home. But there is a jurisdiction God has given you and you are supposed to subdue, have dominion over it and make it bring forth for you. Now, you may say, oh, well, now that you're older, that applies to you. Well, I've learned this teaching. I've heard about it since I was age 12, 13, and I've been walking in it since then. So it has nothing to do with age. It's just an understanding of that principle. Okay, so what has this got to do with praise? When things happen around you, you feel confused. You just feel like things are not going the way they should be going. God says we're supposed to be healed, but your body doesn't feel quite right. God says you're supposed to have more than enough, but it just looks like maybe you don't have enough almost all the time. Things don't seem to line up with where you want it to go. So I want us to go back to how pastor was explaining this to us. Remember that scripture where he said, even if the vine does not bring forth and so on, I will still praise. There is a reason why you still praise. And that's what I want us to talk about. You praise because of the word of God given you. And that word is what activates the kingdom within you. That's how you rule. You rule and reign on your circumstances around you with the word of God. This thing is not abstract. This thing is very real. This is very real. Isaiah 55 verse 8. This is not a long message. Isaiah 55 verse 8. So you have a kingdom. You belong to a kingdom. 
and things are well controlled in that kingdom. Things are well defined in that kingdom. There is no disorder in that kingdom. God is head of that kingdom. But he made you co-heirs with his son Jesus and called you a king as well. And he says rule in your circumstances and have dominion in your home. Have dominion in the things that pertain to you. So everything is ordered, but this is how he makes it happen. In Isaiah 35 verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says who? Who's talking here? My thoughts are not your thoughts. So the Lord says that your body is healed, and you are looking at your body and it doesn't seem healed. You are looking at your bank account, things are not working right. You are looking at your children and they're not behaving right. But he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways, my ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It will not return unto me void. That's how the kingdom of God operates. When God gives a word, that's it. There is no angel that can say, God, are you really sure? Mm -mm. He speaks it, that's it. That's how it works though for you. That kingdom where his word completely dominates resides in you. So when the Lord speaks to you maybe about your business and you look at your background, you look at who you are, you look at your skin color or you look at your accent or you look at your gender and nothing lines up and nobody in that kind of cohort has ever done what you feel the Lord said is possible. You know, in your heart, it's like, mm, okay. What you must remember, his thoughts are different from the way you think. And the way he operates, different from the way you operate. So, when Sarah wakes up in the morning and finds out that the years have gone by, and she is now, at this point in time, she is... Um, 90 or 89 or 85 years old or 88 years old or 89 years old and the Lord comes and says to her you will have a child by this time next year. Sarah is looking like God is not aware of biology. God does not know how things operate. I can't be disrespectful to God, but I don't think he has it together at this point in time. But God is saying to her, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Two different kingdoms. In my kingdom, when I speak a word, it does not return to me void. When I tell you that today is Wednesday, but you look at the calendar... It is Sunday. God comes into this room and says, guys, today is Wednesday. 
it will not return to him void. You go back, check that calendar, the thing has changed. Because he says, my words will not return to me void. It must accomplish. It must accomplish. Child of God, when the story comes that does not line up with the word that you have seen, you dissociate yourself from that kingdom. When they tell you that your body has aged, you dissociate yourself. Say, okay, 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 okay. No, 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 no. Okay, let's focus within. When they tell you that you are past age, people of your age and your color cannot do this at this age. Hold on. You are not on my wavelength. Because he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways. And God can get anything to you in a million ways. He can do it. He doesn't have to follow any way that was done before. Oh, child of God, you dissociate yourself. When it looks like what they keep telling you does not line up. You say, okay, I guess we're on two different wavelengths. Hold on to yours, I hold on to mine. Then you focus within. Isaiah 55, 11. My word that goes forth out of my mouth, it will not return to me void. What does that mean? That it will not return void. What does it mean? What does it mean? It must accomplish. When God speaks it, that's the end of the story. That is the very end. It's not like we now have a discussion about it call a committee, will this work, will this not work? God said it, that settles it. Now you believe it, you receive it. But the minute he said it, it settles it. He said it will not return to me void. It must accomplish that which I please and it must prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Verse 12 says, for you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. This is why you are very confident and you praise. Because yes, it looks like things are not right. If you go to verse 13, it says, instead of the thorn will come up the fair tree. That is right in front of you, there are thorns and thistles, and things are not together. Your body is not right. Your mind is not right. You, everything is not working well, but because of the word that was spoken, that must accomplish what it was sent to do, you rejoice. When do you rejoice? When do you start praising? Not when you see. Why? Because you are so convinced. You are so excited. That the Lord gave a word. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Settled. Mm. So let's go to Joshua 6. Pastor read this and I want us to kind of look at it. Joshua 6, 1 to 2. Let's read it in the Amplified. 
I found out, I started studying myself, and I, I just kind of found out that the minute somebody tells me it can't be done, you spoke to the wrong person. Because that's when all my juices start to flow. It's like, it can't be done. Watch me. We're going to do this. Anytime somebody says it's impossible, uh-uh, it's impossible. Why? Oh, well, nobody has ever done it. Yeah, yeah, it's just not been done, but it's a yet moment. It's not been done yet. Yet. Joshua 6, 1. Now Jericho, a fenced town with high walls, was tightly closed because of the Israelites. No one went out or came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho. That is, God had apportioned it. This is your land. I don't care how many people are in there. Now this belongs to you. That thing that God was saying, in, to, to think about it really, it doesn't make sense. Because it's a huge city. The archaeologists found out that the walls of Jericho, they, you could have um, eight chariots lying side by side and ride on it, coming this way. So one chariot, one chariot, one chariot. It was that wide. It was sturdy. It was solidly built. And then all the entrances were like little gates. Everything was shut tight. And God is telling Joshua and the children of Israel, he said, see, I have given you, this is yours now. And for the people like Sarah who laughed when God said, you will have a son, I'm sure those who heard, some of them must have laughed and said, okay, here we go again. The Bible says it was tightly closed and not just for a reason, because of the children of Israel. And they shut it tight. No one came out. No one went in. And there were no planes in those days where you could fly over and drop a, a, a bomb. It was, you have to go in through somewhere. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho. And then God helped us to understand who is Jericho, its king, and the mighty men of Velour into your hands. So here you are. You are looking at this thing that is totally shut down, shut off. You can't go above, you can't go under, everything is shut. And the Lord says it is yours. And you are kind of looking at that thing. It's like, huh? Okay. It's yours. It belongs to you. It's like, hmm. This place, I can't even go to the door. I can't enter. And the Lord says it's yours. See, what's happening there? There are two wavelengths there. God is saying it's yours, but in this other wavelength, it's not yours. The owner owns it. The king is in there. His army is there. His people are there. The children are there. And God says it's yours. Whose report will you believe? How does it work? So God said, this is what I need you to do. I just need you to praise. Just kind of go around it. Don't say anything. On the seventh day, shout with a loud shout. The walls will crumble. That wall, remember how I described the wall? The wall is 
this thick, so maybe from here to here, is the width of it. It's that thick. How do, how do you break, even if you had, unless you had a nuclear bomb, do you know archaeologists went back later on and found out that when the angels were done, <laughs> when they shouted, when the angels were done, they did not, it, it didn't crumble. It was pushed into the ground. That's how that wall went down. Because the Bible says after the wall came down, everybody ran straight up into the city. How do you run straight up? You can't even think of that massive wall. They, they, even if it crumbles, it will be these big boulders. You can't run straight up. It was pushed into the ground by a mighty hand. The Lord is saying to you, see, 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 I have given it to you. And you are looking, it's like, but you know what? The kingdom of God is within you. So when what God is telling you does not rhyme with what you see, you dissociate and then you focus within. So the reason the children of Israel were able to dance and shout and scream was not because they saw anything. It was because of the word given to them. Because they know that once God says it, that's it. So the reason for my praise is the word given to me from above. Because when the Lord says it, it's done. So I start to dance. <laughs> and you look at me and you think I'm crazy. But it's all right. It's no problem. You don't need to dance. It has, it's not your business. It has nothing to do with you. Because you don't have the pain I have. So you don't need the solution I need. I got the pain. I got the solution. I got the victory. So be looking at me like that with your mouth wide open. Has nothing to do with you. But I got a dance. <laughs> Why do I have the dance? Because I got the word of God on it. <laughs> you dissociate yourself. They give you test results that don't line up. Uh -uh. You look at it. Jehovah Rapha, test result. There's one. I, came, I, I found this. I have preached in this church. You know, it's Jehovah Kaya. C-H-A-Y-A. The Lord who keeps me alive and renews my youth. One day I'm going to preach that message again so you remember it. That is, your cells don't age. Your body is just renewed by the resurrection power of God. You know why you need that? Because you have to get your assignment done and an aging body can't let you get it done. Moses lived 120 years. The Bible says at the time he left, he didn't have any wrinkles. His hair was not gray. His vigor was as a young man. The Lord kept him alive. Jehovah Kaya, the Lord who keeps me alive. I found that I said, Lord, huh? Okay, now. So, this weekend I started boxing. I started a boxing class. I said, come on. 
Jab hook uppercut. Jab hook uppercut. Jehovah Kaya. me with my boxing class. I've done two classes. I came home, I rubbed my body with this um, thing that, because I kind of felt it a bit. I went back the next day because there is Jehovah Kaya, the Lord who keeps me alive. So, <laughs> when the word says this, and my body is telling me, you are aging. I said, you are who? No, we are not aging. Did you not see Joshua? Joshua went to Moses and said, I was 40 years old when God told me that I can have this land. He says, today I'm 85 years old. My strength is still the same for going out and coming in for war. So give me this mountain. The Lord who kept an 85-year-old alive, and his strength is like a 40-year-old man. He is Jehovah Kaya. Ancient of days, the same yesterday, today, not a respecter of persons. That's why when I get the word, I don't need to see anything. I dissociate with everything that does not line up. Then I start to praise. I start to dance. Oh! Oh! Hey! Let's talk about Abraham. Romans 4.16 in the Amplified. Child of God, you got to get a hook on this thing. You have to become like this. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Things come before you and it suddenly looks like if I add this, add this, add this, maybe I can pay for this. Add this, add this. After a while, the thing overwhelms you and you know, there is nothing I can add here, cut here. This thing, except the Lord does it, it can't be done. Do you know that's when the Lord just shows up mighty in battle and says, uh-huh, did you call me? Come on, let's go do this. You look behind, a year later, the thing is done. And you're kind of surprised. How did it happen? How did it? That's none of your business. Different wavelengths dissociate from this kingdom, associate with the kingdom that is within, and start dancing. Start praising. This is not just routine. You are dancing and praising because you believe. You believe the word given to you. Romans 4 from verse 16. Amplified. I'm going to read it all and then I'm going to read it in the message because it just so blessed me. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. In order that it might be given as an act of grace. Let's go to verse 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The father who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. 
God speaks of things as though they already existed. Because he knows that when he says it, it happens. It's already existing. So you dissociate from what you see and associate with what he said. Because he speaks it and it happens. Verse 18. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith. So when you have nothing to hope for, you go into the word of God and get yourself some hope. Because when you look around, everything is hopeless. So there's no point looking around because it's already hopeless. But you go into the word of God and get yourself some hope. That hope is the word of God. When they tell you you are dying, you are saying no. Jesus said he's the resurrection and the life. I've got the life of God in me. I'm not dying. We're going nowhere. This work has to be done. My assignment is not done. You go into the word of God and get yourself some hope. The hope is the word of God. He said human, a human reason for hope being gone, he hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. Verse 19. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter, utter, that is complete impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead. Because after all, he was 100 years old. He didn't consider the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb. You have two very bad situations here. One is old, the other one is older. One is 90 or 80 something, and the other one is 90 something. And God is saying, nations will come out of you. So it's really, really bad. It's not, so, so the thing to do is you either believe what he said or focus on what you know is reality in your body or your situation. So the Bible says he decided, you know what, we're going to leave that one aside. I'm going to trust God's word. And he said in, in, in verse um, 20, no unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he did what? As he gave praise and glory to God. He was fully satisfied and assured that God was able. God is able. God is able and mighty. God is able and mighty. God can do all things. Nothing will be impossible to God. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, anyhow. He can. He not only can, he will. He was fully persuaded. He was fully satisfied and assured. That's why he gave praise and glory to God. The reason for his praise was that he was fully convinced. If you are not able to praise God on that situation, you have a little bit more work to do. Next week, by God's grace, we're going to get into what you do to get yourself into that place where you are immovable like a rock. We'll talk about it. But what he did was he gave praise and glory to God. Let's read this in the message translation. 
from verse 17. Or let's do, yeah, from 17. We call Abraham father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then he became a father because he dared to trust God. You are going to have to dare to trust God. You have an option here. You have an alternative, at least two choices. You can determine whether you are going to go along with the report you have received or you determine that, no, I am healed. You are going to determine. And I'm saying God can heal you in a many ways. He can use medical doctors and medical science. I don't care how he does it, just get me healed. You can determine that you're going to live and die in debt and poverty. Or you can determine that I have an inheritance from God and it has to show up in the now. You always have an alternative. He said, behold, I have placed before you life and death. He said, choose life that you may live. Choose it. Choose that kingdom. Choose. But see, it's never going to be forced on you. He says, I have placed it before you. This reality and this reality. Now you choose. And God says, I'll go with your choice. If that's how you want to do it, let's go. If you want to remain sick, dejected, broke, I can't force you. But if you want happiness, joy, peace, prosperity of soul, mind, body, bank account, let's go. It may be a process, it may be a journey, but I'm ready to go with you. But choose. It says choose. Verse 18. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed how? Read with me. What did it say? When everything was hopeless, Abraham did what? <laughs> he believed anyway. You have to believe anyway. That's why you praise. Your praise is an indicator of your faith level. It's a gauge of your faith. If you are mourning, crying, sorrowful, instead of praise, dancing, your faith is low. Because there's no way you believe God has done it, whatever the it is, that you will be crying over it. If you've already collected what you're looking for, why are you crying? There's no reason to cry. So when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. You have to believe anyway. Regardless of what you see. Regardless of what you hear. Regardless of what is staring you in the face. Believe anyway. He said, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what? On what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you are going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades, decades, decades.
decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. Sure that God will make good on what he had said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham. It's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. Equally hopeless. Child of God, we'll talk about how you rev up your faith next week by God's grace. I want us to stand to our feet this morning. The reason for my praise is the word of God. I will believe anyway regardless of what I see. Some people say, why do you believe when you know you're about to die? I can believe my way into heaven. If I'm going to die, well, I'm going to, I'm going to die believing. I will not be caught flat-footed in doubt and unbelief. I will not be. I don't care. If somebody says you are too old, die anyway. Yeah, I can be old, but I can die healed. Must I die sick? <laughs> Brother Hagin used to say, he, in his church, when he would go to an 80-something-year-old, 80 and they said, well, she's sick, she's got the cancer. She, he, says, he said to her, he said, you know what? Um, why don't we get you healed, then you can go on to be with the Lord? Amen. The power works, even at 85. Let's exercise the power. Amen. So this morning, raise your hands to heaven. Let's thank him. We will believe anyway. That's why we praise. The reason for our praise is the word of God. He's our God. He does not change. Thank you, Father. Go ahead, thank him this morning. In the season of praise, you do know why you're praising him. It's because his word never changes and his word must accomplish and you carry around that kingdom of God within you. You focus on that kingdom, not on the things going on around you. You believe anyway. You believe anyway. You believe anyway. Father, I thank you. Your word is real. Your word is true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's dependable. We rely, we rest on it. We trust in it. We rejoice over it. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, our Father. <laughs> Thank you for your word that never, 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 never fails. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your word. It never fails. We embrace it today. 
We are praising you, Lord, because we believe. We are believers, not doubters. We do not distrust you. Your word is yes and amen. We say yes and amen. We dissociate from everything that does not line up. We associate with the kingdom of God that is within. The reign and the rule of God that is empowered by his word. Thank you, Jesus. As we go out this week, Holy Spirit, we receive your grace, your energy. We receive faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. We believe anyway. Thank you for the protection of the angels. Thank you for the provision of the Father. We plead the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah.